Hey guys, welcome back to Recalibrate, a mindset podcast designed to help you break free from the old and press on to the new. It honors me that you would connect every week to listen, to learn, and to grow. It honors me that you would follow this podcast, subscribe to it. If you are a subscriber, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. If you're new to this podcast, I hope that you get much more than you expect. My sole purpose is to see you get from point A to point B, that place where you would like to see yourself by breaking free from old mindsets, mental constructs, strongholds, whatever it is that's keeping you from advancing. You will hear me incorporate psychology, biology, theology, and spirituality. We want to make sure that we hit on every one of those areas in your life that could potentially be hindering you from getting to where you want to be. (laughs) A few weeks ago, I started a series called Will You Be My Valentine? How to Bulletproof Your Marriage or Your Relationship. Well, today is part three of three. (laughs) And, uh, but... It's not called, Will You Be My Valentine? I've kind of switched it up a bit. Today's episode, you probably noticed, is called, drumroll please, (laughs) it's called Waffles and Spaghetti. You will soon find out why I chose this particular title for this episode. And I want to start out by talking about the differences between male and female brains. And so I want to start out by talking about the male brain. The male brain resembles a waffle. (laughs) It is made out of tiny little boxes. And neither one of those boxes touch each other. They're all disconnected. And we have a box for everything. We have a box for work, home, kids, hobbies, friends, wife, car, golf, (laughs) you name it. We even have a box somewhere for the uh, in-laws, and it's somewhere in the uh, basement. (laughs) So when a guy wants to talk about something, he will go to that particular box. He will open that box, and he will talk about the things that are inside that box, but he will not discuss what is located in the other box. And once he's done talking about that one particular box or the contents of that box, he then proceeds to close the box and put it away very gently as to not disturb the other boxes or not touch the other boxes around it. A great example is when the husband comes home. Now, keep in mind that a man has about anywhere between four to 5,000 words to share per day, whereas a woman will have about 13,000. A woman can write an 85-page book with all the words that she has in her repertoire for that day, whereas a guy can only write a 25-page book. And so when he comes home and she asks him very gently, very kindly, honey, how was your day? <laughs> what is his answer? I mean, you know it. Come on, fill in the blank. His answer is, it was good. Is okay. You're not going to get more than that. 
But then what happens after that? Well, the wife usually insists, but no, no, honey, but tell me, how was your day? How did it go? Is there anything that you would like to share with me today? And his answer is, uh, no, not really. Now, why is that? Well, that box, the office box or the job box, the employment box, that has already been closed the moment he walked out of the building. He closed that box and he gently put it away. And he made sure that it didn't touch any of the other boxes. And so the wife is expecting a long, detailed uh, briefing of how his day went. But in all reality, he doesn't even want to talk about it. He wants to talk about the here and now. Keep in mind, men are headliners, while women are the fine print, the details. Men are linear and sequential analytical thinkers. It is A, B, C, and D. It's never A, D, F, and G. (laughs) That's just the way it is. Very linear, very sequential. And ladies, you need to understand that when you ask your husband, what are you thinking about? (laughs) You've probably received the shortest of all answers, nothing. The majority of women immediately think that their man is hiding something or avoiding a conversation. Well, let me tell you, I am pleased to inform you that I have learned over the years that we, as guys, have a nothing box. (laughs) Yes, we're the only ones who have the mental capacity, the ability to possess a nothing box. And of all the boxes that (laughs) we as men possess in our brain... The nothing box is probably one of the favorite ones to go to. If a man has an opportunity to go to that nothing box, he will go to it every single time, let me tell you. And that's why guys can engage in activities that are seemingly brain dead a lot of the times. Like fishing or sitting in a blind for hours waiting for Bambi to show up. And so if guys are being serious when they say that they are thinking about nothing at all, Why do women have such a hard time believing them? Well, the main reason women don't believe that men can be thinking about nothing is because women are never, ever thinking about nothing. (laughs) Am I I right or wrong? Come on, ladies. Women have anywhere from five to 25,000 thoughts going on at once, while men often have from zero to five thoughts going on at the same time. This is why women in general are better at multitasking and also why women are often more more emotional. They make greater connections. I've always said that when women are upset, they don't get hysterical. They get historical. (laughs) They have a tendency to remember everything and everything is interconnected. The more a person has going on in one's head, the more likely he or she will feel stressed and buckled. And since we as guys only have no more than five thoughts going on at the same time, we're less likely to break down emotionally. So for this reason, men don't automatically know that women are overwhelmed. I'm sure almost every man in a relationship has experienced his his, his girlfriend or, or his wife beginning a day in, in great spirits, with a great attitude, with a smile, happy-go-lucky, and then end up their day in tears and frustration. While it does happen occasionally, it is generally not the practice of us guys to come home from work, throw things, and sob. Because of this, imagine how confusing 
guys feel the first times that they witness their the girlfriend, the fiance or wife behaving this way, it is unsettling <laughs> to say the least. Now, in contrast, women are like spaghetti, whereas, as I mentioned, men are like waffles. So women are like spaghetti in that everything in their life touches everything else. Remember what I said about guys as guys? No box touches another box. They're all separate. But when it comes to women, you ladies are like spaghetti. Everything touches everything. <laughs> if, uh, if there's a fight at home, they emotionally carry that fight to the office. If they had a bad day at work, it comes home with them. It's part of the package. This is completely natural. And for most women, it is extremely hard to separate one stressful situation from another. Look, if a woman is going through the sickness of a close loved one, it is more likely to show in her work while a man, a man can be going through the same thing and no one at work will even realize it unless it comes up in a conversation. Women's brains are like the internet superhighway, and everything is fueled by emotion. <laughs> now, if you ask, guys, if you ask your wife or your fiance, how was your day at work? Uh, some men might say that that's the worst mistake ever. You don't ask that question because you're going to get a 30-minute debriefing of how things went. And that could end up in tears or laughter. You never know but you're always going to get more than you bargained for. <laughs> and guys, you need to understand something about women is that oftentimes, 90% of the time, when they want to share something with you, they just want to share that with you. They're not looking for wise counsel, advice, a suggestion. They don't need to be told how they should have done things and how they could have done that better. They just need someone who is willing to listen. They need to unload their emotions. And all they need is an ear that is willing to listen. Not listen to reply, but listen to understand their emotions and what they are going through. And so an interesting fact is that there is actually a physiological reason for the difference between the thought processes in male and females. Uh, in other words, there is a reason why one is like a waffle and the other one is like spaghetti. One is completely uh, linear, completely sequential, while the other one is completely interconnected. Look, the construction of our physical frame and brain vary from male to female. A man's skull and frame are generally larger than women's. So the two hemispheres of a woman's brain are physically closer together, which allows for a better synapsis between the corpus callosum, which is that little bridge that connects both hemispheres. There's a greater synapsis between the two hemispheres, making better connections and making more connections more often. So because of the synapses are firing more often, women have more thoughts and emotions than men do. Now for men, because the synapses are firing less often, in other words, the connection isn't as great through that corpus callosum, they are less emotional and they have an easier time focusing on one task or one event at a time. I mean, come on, let's be honest, guys. <laughs> when we're on the phone, at home, we can only be on that phone call. We can't be handling other issues around us. And so when we have the noise in the background, whether you have one child watching TV or 
or trying to talk to you, or you have a multitude of children in the household making a lot of noise, you have a tendency to try and find a room where you can isolate yourself so that you can focus on that one phone call. Otherwise, you are highly distractible and you cannot focus on the phone call and you end up getting extremely frustrated. Now, women, on the other hand, have this amazing ability. Uh, They can be on the phone, on a phone call, in the kitchen, with a spatula in one hand, cooking, while helping Junior (laughs) get his homework done, while rocking the baby to sleep, all at the same time, without losing her cool, without losing her focus, without skipping a beat. That's how their brains are wired. Since her thoughts, emotions, and convictions are all interconnected, she's able to process much more information and keep track of more activities. And so as a result, most women pursue connecting life together. They solve problems, but from a much much different perspective than, than men. Women consistently sense the need to talk things through. In a conversation, Women can link together the logical, emotional, relational, and spiritual aspects of the issue. The links come to her naturally, so the conversation is effortless. If she connects all of the issues together, the answer to the question at hand bubbles to the surface and is readily accepted. This often creates significant stress for couples because while she is making all the connections, he is frantically, (laughs) frantically jumping boxes, trying to keep up with the conversation. The man's eyes are rolling back in his head while a tidal wave of information is swallowing him up. When she is done, she feels better and he is overwhelmed, (laughs) to say the least. Let me give you a perfect example of the differences between the two. While planning a trip, a waffle man (laughs) will start at the beginning and move sequentially to the end. They will plan one step at a time, work on car details, then lodging details, then work on sightseeing details. Now, the spaghetti woman will, of course, interconnect every single thing, thinking simultaneously about who to leave the kids with, all the cities they want to stop at, what groceries she will need to pack, and what dress she should wear to the special night out. The man, of course, couldn't care less about what he wears until he's actually getting ready to go to that special night out. Little side note here, (laughs) when a woman says, I have nothing to wear, that generally means that she has nothing new to wear. Now, when a guy says, I have nothing to wear, that usually means that he has nothing clean to wear. You see the difference in communication styles? This is to all of you guys listening, and you ladies can thank me later. (laughs) These are the six keys to understanding women. Yes, 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 you, you can understand them. Absolutely, yes. Remember, you listen not to reply. You listen to understand. So here's key number one. Recognize that women want to feel connected. You see, women want to make sure their relationship is on solid ground. After a period of separation, even a day apart, establish that closeness as soon as you can, and everything afterward will flow more freely. So, great advice. Come home, give her a big hug. (laughs) Number two, don't jump into problem-solving mode. Look, if you're not sure what your partner needs at any given moment, it's okay to ask her. You might say, 
It sounds like you're really upset. Would you like for me to listen? Or would you like for me to offer you a suggestion? And that's a great way to put it. Always ask that question because you never know what she really needs. Number three, if your spouse is less interested in SEX than you are, try a little empathy. Instead of taking the rejection personally and pressuring her for more frequent sex, consider the possible reasons for the discrepancy in her desire. You know, the reasons the reasons may have nothing to do with you. It could be totally unrelated. Number four, think about how much work your partner does. Is she frequently exhausted? If she works outside the home, how much responsibility do you assume for cooking, shopping, cleaning, laundry, and caring for the kids? Number five, allow your spouse to voice her fears and support her in her efforts to face difficult situations. You see, women feel empowered by their significant relationships. Your caring attitude will contribute to your spouse's success in attaining her goals. She doesn't need you to talk her out of her fear or solve her problems. She just wants you to listen, to understand, and to allow her to relax on your shoulder and cry at times. And number six, understand that communication is a process. It's not a given. Look at communication challenges as an invitation to keep on talking, keep on listening, and eventually work things out. You and your spouse may communicate very differently, but the potential is still there to reach higher levels of understanding and interest. Look, guys, in a nutshell, women, according to the scriptures, according to God's word, should be loved unconditionally. The Bible says in Ephesians, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And so what does that mean? Christ loved the church, meaning us sacrificially. He gave his life for us, for our sins, so that we would be redeemed. And so God's word calls us men to love our wives unconditionally, regardless of what she sounds like, what she said, how she treated you, what she looks like, how she cooked, (laughs) regardless of all that, or in spite of all that, love her unconditionally. Women also need to feel secure. They need their husbands to provide them with four different levels of security. The first one is physical security. They need to feel safe around you. The second one is financial security. They need to know that you can you can be the breadwinner and sustain the family's financial uh, needs. The third one is emotional security. She wants to make sure that you're going to safeguard her heart and care for her. And number four is spiritual security. She needs to know that you are going to be, as the scripture says, the priest of the household and lead the family in the right and righteous path. Okay, ladies, so now it's time for you to take a few minutes to say thank you, Milton, for counseling the men on how to treat us. (laughs) And you're probably thinking also, well, my husband's not listening to this podcast. Well, now is a good time to text it to him. Text him the link and say, listen, listen, listen. Okay, so now, ladies advice for you. How should you treat your spouse? Well, it's not as complicated as it is treating you, (laughs) with all due respect. It's not as complicated because remember, we are linear and sequential thinkers. And as guys, 
Our number one love language, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes, our number one love language is words of affirmation. Why? Because in every one of us, there's a little boy who wants to feel like a hero, honored and respected. Why is it that when you ask a little boy what they want to be when they're older, 90% of the time they will say that they want to be either firemen, policemen, or soldiers. And why is that? Well, it's simple. Every man has a deep, intrinsic need to feel respected and honored, admired. And so a simple word, a simple action that conveys that sense of admiration, that sense of respect will go a long ways. And, and so is, is, is the, the complete polar opposite. Any sign of disrespect any sign of a lack of admiration, which could be nonverbal, just simply body language, the rolling of the eyes when he is talking, or not looking at him in the eyes when he is trying to speak to you and and share from his heart, that immediately conveys to a man that he is not respected, that he is not admired. And if this is repeated over time, slowly but surely, his emotional love tank will become more and more depleted. If you're the mother of a boy or boys, I want you to know that just as men have this deep desire, this deep need to feel respected, so do little boys. Actually, that's where it starts. Now, nobody ever taught you as a mother to respect your son. It was the other way around. Your son needs to respect you. They need to obey. And sometimes, you know, moms, sometimes you don't watch your words and you may say something that comes across as disrespectful, but you think it's okay because they're children and you're the mother. Well, let me tell you that every time a child picks up, a little boy picks up on disrespect, it tears them down one bit at a time. So make sure to show your child praise. Tell your son he's awesome. Praise your son whenever he does anything good. Ties his shoelaces, buttons up his shirt. Be sure to praise him in front of others as well. That's very important. This will build your son up faster than just about anything else. Also, show confidence in your son. You know, your son benefits from your encouragement. When they're tackling a new task, be their greatest cheerleader. When they are uncertain, Make sure that they understand that you have great confidence in their abilities. Let your son know that he's capable. You know, our culture mocks men and makes them look like, let's be honest, like idiots. You can't watch a sitcom without seeing completely incapable men and the amazing women who are forced to continually bail them out. Help your son realize that he is capable. Set up situations where he is able to flex his his muscles and help you or others. Let him hold the door open for you. Ask him to unload the car for you. As he gets older and taller, let him reach tall things for you. Let him carry heavy objects for you. Look, don't worry. There will be plenty of other chances for him to see you as a strong woman later on. Number four, show him appreciation. It's easy to take your son for granted. Be sure to thank him 
whenever he does anything nice for you or for any other individual or family member, even if he's merely following orders, thanking him for doing so goes a long ways. The more appreciated he feels, the more willing he will be to do things for you in the future. It's, <laughs> it works like magic. Number five is let your son know that you value his opinion. In other words, don't shut him up. Listen to him. As ridiculous as his opinion may sound, listen and value his opinion. Ask your son what he thinks should be done in certain situations. Listen to him when he offers a suggestion. Whenever possible, try to implement some of his ideas. This is important to do even when our kids are young. You'll be amazed at the insightful ideas our children will offer when we or you listen to them. Number six, speak in a kind tone to show respect. I mean, our words and our tonality will show whether or not we respect an individual. And so, Watch the way you say things. Let's face it. Sometimes sometimes boys don't use the kindest tone of voice when they're speaking to you. If you want your son to show you respect, you should attempt to speak to them in a kind, loving tone, no matter what tone they are using with us. I know that's difficult. I know it's really hard because what you try to do when they show you disrespect or when they raise their tone is you try to overpower them by raising your voice. But you know what? That does not work. This can be, you know, really hard to do. But making the effort in this area can go a long way toward helping our sons to learn to speak kindly to you. It also communicates respect very quickly. If your family has gotten into the bad habit of speaking to each other in a tense tone. This can be a difficult cycle to break, but it's important. We need to be sure we aren't using our words as weapons. The Bible says that our words or our tongue is like the rudder on a ship. Although it's small, it can direct a huge vessel to a port of call. In other words, our tongue, our words, can direct our destination. The Bible goes on to say that we have power in our tongue to produce life or death. Make sure that you are always, mom, always speaking life. So once again, show that respect toward your child, but also, also to your husband. Now for dads, it's very simple. What does a little girl need? I mean, a dad understands the need a little boy has for respect And usually dads are pretty good at speaking that language because it's something that is uh, a desire and a need within them. But what about a little girl? What about your daughter? You know, I'm speaking to men. Little girls don't need to feel respected. They have a deep, deep desire to feel unconditionally loved. They want to make sure that they are daddy's princess, that they are loved that they're the most beautiful individual (laughs) on the face of the earth. And so showing them, manifesting to them that you love them in spite of their shortcomings is important. So men, just as a woman has a deep desire, intrinsic need to feel unconditionally loved and to feel secure in your arms, secured by your words, secured by your actions, 
a little girl has the exact same need. They also thrive on words of affirmation, simply saying, sweetheart, you look beautiful. Sweetie, I love you so much. You make me so happy. These kinds of expressions of love go a long ways. Back in 1995, I read a book that was hot off the press. It's called The Five Love Languages. It was written by Dr. Gary Chapman, and it became a popular bestseller. And it made so much sense. I have used that information ever since. Understanding your significant other's love language, your spouse's love language, your children's love language is very important. If you don't understand how they feel loved, then you are at a disadvantage. It's like being in a relationship with someone who does not speak English. They might speak some foreign language. And of course, you have a hard time communicating and they have a hard time communicating with you because she doesn't speak English and you don't speak whatever the foreign language is. It's not until you learn their language and, and vice versa that you will be able to communicate more effectively. Well, it's the same way with love languages. You see, the five love languages describe the way we feel loved and appreciated. So depending on our individual personality types, we may feel loved differently than how our partners do. So understanding and decoding these different ways of showing love will help take the guesswork out of your partner's expectations and needs. And so you become a more effective communicator, a more effective lover. You just become overall more effective in your relationship when you understand your spouse's love language. It's like I said, not only your spouse, but also your children. So I want to go over each one of the five love languages and kind of explain them as I wrap up this episode. So the first one, and not in any particular order, is the one that I expressed a while ago. I said that every man has a deep desire to feel respected. And one of the ways to show him respect is through words of affirmation. So number one is words of affirmation. You see, this love language expresses love with words, words that build up. Verbal compliments, they don't have to be complicated, okay? The shortest and simplest praises can be the most effective. Something like, wow, that dress looks incredible on you. You always make me laugh. I love your hair today. You look so handsome. And so this works both for men and, of course, women. Words mean a lot. If your partner has this love language, you know, compliments and an I love you can go a long ways, let me tell you. On the other hand, negative or insulting comments can hurt your partner, and it could take them longer to forgive than any other individual if their love language is words of affirmation. You probably grew up, if you're like me, close to 50 years of age, you probably remember growing up and hearing people say, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Well, that is farthest from the truth. (laughs) That's a lie. Sticks and stones, yeah, they'll break your bones, but names, oh, names, they will hurt you. They hurt deep down on the inside, especially if your love language is words of affirmation. They can go either way. If your love language is words of affirmation, a compliment will build you up. But a tiny negative word will tear you down. 
And so realizing, you know, becoming an, an observer of human uh, behavior is important in order to define what the individual's love language is. When you tell a little boy that he looks amazing, that he is so handsome, and you see him grow two inches, you know, in the process, you know that that is their love language. Uh, Number two is acts of service. You'll know that your partner, your spouse, uh, has this love language when their motto is actions speak louder than words. <laughs> they want to see your love in action through acts of service. This love language expresses itself by doing things that you know your spouse would, would like. For instance, cooking a meal, doing the laundry, or picking up a prescription are all acts of service. They require some thought, time and effort, of course, and they go a long ways. Sometimes, you know, the wife... The wife, uh, yeah, she might, you know, enjoy a word of affirmation, but she likes it so much more when you get home before she does and you fix, you know, some dinner and maybe put the laundry in the washer, you know, fix up the house. Oh, and they come home and she feels loved, loved because you were thoughtful enough to do all of these things for her. See, all of these things should be done with a with positivity, and with your partner's ultimate happiness in mind to be considered an expression of love. In other words, you don't do it begrudgingly, <laughs> making the bed in the morning while you're complaining. No, no, no. You, you tell your spouse, honey, I'm doing this for you today. Whatever it is. And it works both ways. Husband to wife, wife to husband. So actions out of obligation or with a negative tone don't work. Let me just tell you, they don't work. Those are not acts of service. Uh, They are acts of obligation. They don't work. They don't convey love. So acts of service, very important. Uh, Receiving gifts is number three. You see, this love language isn't necessarily materialistic. It just means that a meaningful or thoughtful gift makes your partner feel loved and appreciated. Something as simple as picking up a pint of their favorite Bluebell ice cream (laughs) or Ben and Jerry's after a long work week can make a huge impact. You see, this is different than acts of service, where you show affection by performing actions to help your partner. Now, give you an example. I spoke to a gentleman the other day who told me that he had been away for five days on a trip out of town. And so he told me that when he arrived at the airport, he completely... He remembered that he had forgotten to pick up a gift for his wife when he was out of town. He had been in Washington. And so while he was at the airport, at the small local airport in his hometown, he went to, of course, to to the gift shop. And he picked up a knickknack. He picked up a little something for his wife. You know, it had airport gift written all over it, of course. And so when he came home, he showed that gift to his wife with, with, with great uh, expectation that she would, she would say, thank you so much, honey. I, I really appreciate it. And he, he gave her the gift and she looked at it. She smiled. She showed, you know, appreciation. She wasn't overwhelmingly uh, appreciative. She said, oh, well, thank you for thinking about me as he walked in uh, to his house. Now, why didn't she show this overwhelming sense of gratitude? Well, I'll tell you why. Gifts were not her love language. 
All she wanted to hear, because she's a words of affirmation type person, all she wanted to hear was, sweetheart, I missed you so much. I thought about you all the time. I missed having you near me, talking to you, just holding you in my arms. I missed you so much. This goes a long ways. There was no need for a gift. There was only a need for words that were affirming of his love. That simple. Number four is quality time. This love language is all about undivided attention, which is really hard these days, believe me. I see more and more people on their phones, sitting in front of their spouses, you know, both of them on their devices, while the children are running loose, running crazy, (laughs) and they're just on their phones. There is no quality time anymore. This is a hard one. So, undivided attention, no TV, no smartphones, or distractors. If this is your partner's primary love language, they don't just want to be included during this period of time. They want to be the center. Listen, the center of your attention. It's like, okay, put everything down, relax, sit in a comfortable position, and put on your listening cap. They want their partners to look at them and at them only. So this is when um, eye contact is very important. Looking at your partner straight in the eyes, positioning your chest parallel to theirs, positioning yourself in a listening position is going to be important. Let me tell you that your partner will pick up on your body language and know if you're listening or not. So quality time. This doesn't mean that you don't curl up on the couch to watch Netflix or HBO. (laughs) It just means that you need to Make sure to dedicate time together without all of the distractors. That will help them feel comfortable in the relationship. Simply saying, hey, let's go for a walk in the park. How's that? Or let's go to the local Starbucks, sit down and have some coffee. Let's, let's just chit-chat. Or not even chit-chat. Let's just enjoy each other's company. So every time you cancel a date, postpone time together, or aren't present during your time together, it can be extremely hurtful to your partner as it can make them feel like you care more about other things or activities than them. And so this is a, uh, a joy kill. If you don't know how to spend quality time, and if that's your partner's love language, you need to start practicing simply being able to sit and be comfortable with your own self. So quality time. And the last one, number five, is physical touch. So, to people with this love language, nothing is more impactful than the physical touch of their partner. And what I mean by physical touch has nothing to do with uh, sex. It can be something as simple as a pat on the back, a high five, you know, holding hands. They aren't necessarily into over-the-top PDA, let me tell you, but they do feel more connected and safe in a relationship by holding hands, kissing and hugging, you know. If physical touch is your spouse's primary love language, they will feel unloved without physical contact, let me tell you. If you withhold physical contact from them, they slowly but surely become depleted of their love tank. All of the words and gifts in the world won't change that for someone whose love language is physical touch. They want to feel you close by, not just emotionally, but physically. And be careful not to say things like, you're so needy. You are so needy. Well, let me tell you, yes, they do have a need for physical touch. 
And so when physical touch is withdrawn and used as a weapon in a relationship, because I don't get what I want, I'm withholding physical touch, it slowly starts to kill the relationship. It destroys. So, so the five love languages, words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch, each one is important. And each one expresses love in its own particular way. So learning your partners and your own primary love language will help create a stronger bond in your relationship. Now, you can always go to, I believe it's, um, look up, you can Google Gary Chapman, the five love languages assessment and take it. It's important that you understand your own first before you're able to understand your spouse's or your children's. But believe me, once you understand your love language, and once you understand his or her love language, you will become a more effective communicator, relator, lover, connector. You will just become more effective overall. Most of the time, your love language depends on the language that was spoken in your own home, the way that your mother or father spoke to you. And so when I see someone who has a hard time with physical touch, and and I mean like a parent who has a hard time hugging their kids, this is usually a result of a childhood in which the father or the mother in this case was never held, was, was never loved through physical touch. And so they didn't learn that love language. And so as adults, they don't, they don't know how to speak it. But it turns out that their children or their spouse have this deep need for physical touch, but, but he or she doesn't know how to do that. So the question is, can an individual learn a love language? Well, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The individual needs to be intentional about practicing that love language, getting out of that comfort zone. You know, uh, it's going to feel awkward at the beginning, but over time, as you repeat it, it will become more and more natural. And especially when you see that it has such a positive effect on the people that you love. So as I wrap up this episode, I want to encourage you with one final thought. Some of you have a hard time expressing love. Some of you withhold your love from the people that are the closest to you. And you don't do this intentionally. It is something that comes naturally because you have a programming in the subconscious mind. You have childhood traumas that keep you from opening up and expressing your love because you're afraid of getting hurt in the process. And so you've developed a coping mechanism of sorts, of defense mechanism. And so I would encourage you, if you're a believer in Christ as I am, that when you go to pray, that you would ask God as David did, the psalmist. He said, search my heart, O God, and put my thoughts to the test. Show me if there's any iniquity within me. I would go on to say, show me, Father, if there's any trauma within me. Paint a picture in my heart and in my mind as I pray. If there's an episode in my life that I am unaware of that I need to define in order to defeat so that I can break free from the trauma and be able to love the way that you've designed me to love my family. A lot of people will withhold physical contact because they've been physically abused. A lot of people will withhold words of affirmation because they were attacked 
with words. And so they're not able to love the way that they could potentially love. And so go to God in prayer and ask him to heal you, to show you. Because remember, I said this a while ago, if you define it, you can defeat it. But you don't know what you don't know. So identifying the trauma is going to be key. So let me pray for you right now. Father, we just pray in the precious name of Jesus that all of those listening right now, as they spend time in prayer, meditating on your word, I pray, Lord, that you would reveal to them if there's any trauma from the past, if, there's any, if there are any hurts, any pains, any heartaches, any scars, any wounds, I pray that you would reveal them and that you would heal them so that they may be able to accept your love love themselves and be able to love their family, their spouses, as you have designed them to do so. Father, heal their hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you. So I, 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 just, I just pray that, that you would find healing so that you can love your family. Well, God bless you guys. I want to encourage you to uh, leave a positive comment. Give us a five-star rating. I'm also going to attach my Instagram handle to the show notes. My uh, Also, my scheduling page. If you're ever in the need for a counseling session, you just want to schedule you know, a time to, to ask some questions, to figure things out in your life, uh, feel free to do so. I will attach that to the show notes so you can schedule a time. Or if you have a quick question or comment, you can always DM me through Instagram and I will reply right away. So, wish you the best. Go out and love. (laughs) But start by loving yourself. God bless you guys. I love, love, love each and every one of you. Bye-bye.